0: Welcome to the show, my name is James Nielsen-Watt and in this show we interview interesting, inspiring and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life health, happiness, wealth, business, we're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. In this episode, we're talking with Marco Santarelli. Marco's a serial investor, author, and founder of Narada Real Estate Investments, a national real estate investment firm offering turnkey investment properties in growth markets all over the U.S. Uh, he's also the host of the Passive Real Estate Investing Show, the show where busy people learn how to build passive income and create long-term wealth through real estate. Welcome to the show, Marco.
1: Hey, James, it's an honor to be on your show. It's a uh... I'm looking forward to this because we had a great conversation before we started recording here, and now I know we yeah. can talk about a million different things.
0: Yeah, we were we were just kind of going there for a while, and I realized that hey, we should probably actually talk about some of the stuff in the show because it's interesting. Right. Uh, and I tend to find that with with people because there's just you know when we've got two people that that know their know their stuff in their respective fields, there's always this 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 juice that just flows. I think, and it's because there's passion there. And, and I noticed that with successful people, it's we we want to share what we're doing because we love it and that's kind of why we're successful and i noticed that people who struggle tend to want to hold everything in and and we'll probably talk about that in a minute but i just thought i'd share that with everyone listening it's like when you're successful when you're loving what you do you kind of want to share it with everyone because it's it's your thing so Marco, let's jump into to a bit about you i know we could did a little bit on the intro but tell us a bit more about your journey and where you're at now uh relative to where you started and kind of some of the stuff you're working on as well
1: Yeah, well, I hate to go, you know, all the way back to, uh, you know, the day I was born, but uh, I almost kind of have to go back to the, you know, when I was 13. Uh, You know, I just knew at a young age that I wanted to be rich. That's what I titled it back then. But really what I wanted to be was wealthy. And there's a difference between being rich and wealthy. I recognized the fact that I was entrepreneurial at a young age. In fact, I taught myself at the age of 13 how to code on a computer and program. And that was the days of Pac-Man. So I was building a, you know, a, a game uh, on a computer that had very little memory back then because memory was incredibly expensive on computers and i actually ran out of uh, out of ram you know the memory on the computer i had to stop doing what i was doing but what was interesting about my teenage years is i couldn't drive but i was getting my parents to get me books and courses and programs on business and real estate and, and investing because i wanted to learn about that stuff i just i just had it in me and i i needed to uh, teach myself how to do it You know, just to give you a little bit of color color and context, I bought my first investment property, my first rental when I turned 18 years old. I would have done it sooner, but I had to wait until I was 18 because I couldn't qualify for financing, you know, as as a non adult. Uh, But I bought my first rental and I fixed it up. I leased it out. I managed it myself. I held it for a number of years and I did very well. So the writing was on the wall. And then I got my real estate license. I sold real estate. I bought more property. And, and then I started multiple businesses. So yes, I've been a serial entrepreneur and investor from an early age. Now that doesn't mean I'm special or different than anybody you know listening to us talk here today. It's just that I recognized it early and I took action. That's the only differentiating factor with anybody else uh, anybody can do this. Maybe it's not for everybody. Not everybody can be an entrepreneur. They're just not fit for it. Not everybody should be an investor, but I think everybody should invest because we need to get ahead in life. You know, you you want to beat inflation. You want to grow and take care of yourself financially. Those were my roots and my background, and and I took advantage of that that knack and that interest and desire to to build my my financial freedom. And for me, it you know, um, look, I fell. I I got bruised and scraped, and I kept getting myself up, brushing myself off, and pushing through. And that persistence is what helps people actually achieve a level of success that they wouldn't have otherwise if they, you know, quit or listen to their friends and took advice from people who are not successful or not as successful as you want to be. But yeah, so that, that's that's my background, and then I really just push the gas pedal really hard in 2003. And if you you know, for those who are not from the US listening to this. That's when real estate was really taking off. It actually started around 1998, 1999. And then real estate really started to pick up steam and become you know fiery hot by 2002 and 03. That's when I went full-time real estate investing. Uh, coincidentally, that's also the time I started this company as well because people were coming to me and saying, hey, how are you buying so many properties? They wanted a coach, and I said, "No, I'm not going to coach you." And they wanted a mentor. I said, "Well, I don't have time to mentor you, but I can I can provide you property. I'm seeing a lot of deal flow, and that's how the business started. Intent with my real estate investing. So, anyway, there. In a nutshell, that that is my my quick background.
0: Now, you're in, like we talked about in pre-show, you're in you're in crypto now. You're in cannabis uh, as well. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well. You know, if, if regardless of whether you have a job and you're, you know, saving to invest or you have a business and you're you know accumulating profit you need to deploy that capital that's those savings or those those profits into investments and so as i was doing that i realized okay i need to start becoming a professional investor and investing in other things to put that money to work cuz i don't want it to sit around because it's going to be eaten away by inflation you know inflation is there you know it's some people refer to it as a stealth tax it really is um a, a cancer on your on your savings, your your monetary energy. And so I I started investing in different things and I became a professional investor and I looked at everything, the stock market. I looked at oil and gas. I've been involved in oil and gas. I've looked at stocks. I've been involved in, in options. Uh, I looked at cannabis. I've looked at crypto. And where I spent a lot of my time was in cannabis and crypto. And the reason for that is because those two investments offer what I'll call asymmetric returns. So it, it's not a matter of, you know, looking at a 5 or 10% rate of return. You could potentially look at, uh, you know, 2x, 3x, you, you know, your, your, your investment. Uh, now, yes, it's, crypto is very volatile, somewhat speculative, speculative. But cannabis has been a trend, not just in the U.S., but all around the world. And we are seeing more and more people get into that space. As long as you have land and a license... You, you pretty much are uh, you know in good shape. So if you can get a cannabis license whether it's New Zealand or you know one of the states in, in the US, you can set yourself up where you can start growing indoor and create essentially uh, a cannabis operation where you can sell cannabis. It's been very lucrative for years and it's still very lucrative today. Will that be the case 10 years from now? I don't know because it could become commoditized. but here in the. US. it's still illegal, technically speaking at the federal level, but it's legal in most states at the state level. And uh, the federal government's not you know, not getting it in the way of, of you know, free enterprise and taxation, which is huge taxation for them. But as long as you're following the rules and the regulations and you're complying with all the laws at the local and state level, they're okay with it. They just need to put a framework in place so they can tax it like alcohol and tax it like cigarettes, which is mostly, again, at the state level. But it is a lucrative industry. It is uh, still growing, no pun intended, but, you know, the cannabis industry is growing rapidly and more and more people are trying to get into it. So, you know, you got to ask yourself, well, how do I get into it? Well, you could be an operator and get yourself a license and you have the land and the capital. That's the, a way to be in the business. Uh, but if you don't want to do that, well, there's a lot of um, companies, not in the U.S., but in Canada and other countries where you can invest in companies buying stock and basically riding on their coattails as Operators and investors in the cannabis space. Mm. So yeah. it's um,
0: in New Zealand it, it it's illegal and illegal and we had a referendum but the people who are going to be affected by it you know we don't tend to go out there and vote as much uh, and so it's run by people who don't necessarily understand what's going on and so it 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 didn't pass um, but apparently you there's a lot of manufacturing of it in New Zealand and it's shipped out to places like Canada which I think is kind of horribly ironic that you can produce it and the government is cool with that but then if if you if if they want to legalize it or they want to have it uh you go to jail which is funny but another story i suppose but um i found that out oh. from a from a friend uh won't mention who um that is involved with curing and shipping and, and things like that at a high level in new zealand and he's like yeah we ship it all the time i think that the interesting thing that that i've talked about with people on the show a lot is that when you're saving money, you're losing money because inflation's going to eat it up. You have to put cash to work. Uh, you can't just be collecting it because if you save it for 50 years, it's not going to be you know a million bucks today is not going to be much in 50 years. Just like you know, granddad bought his house for for ten dollars or whatever, and um, and now it's a whole lot more. When you're thinking about what to get into, though, that's the question, right? There's there's so many different options. There's fears associated with is this speculative, you know, is it volatile, Am i going to lose a whole lot of money. Everyone's getting into crypto at the moment, they're buying Dogecoin, and then it's crashing and all this kind of thing. What would you do if you had some cash, and you're wanting to be smart about it? Would you suggest dabbling in a few different things to to get familiar with it? Would you suggest picking something that's safe, like a fund? What would you be thinking to someone who's, who's a novice, but has some cash, and they want to make sure that they're securing their future?
1: It's a great question, but a very broad question because there's other variables in there that need to be answered, such as how much investable cash are you working with? Someone who's got a thousand dollars is going to be certainly different than someone who's got ten thousand versus a hundred thousand versus a million. And I've talked to uh people all across the spectrum. I mean, we've, we've got clients that have twenty thousand dollars to invest in you know real estate, they're buying the first rental property, and then we've got clients that flat out say, I've got $1.7 million to deploy, uh, you know, and I want to build a real estate portfolio or whatever else they want to do. So it's all over the board. So the amount of investment capital is one, one factor. Your risk tolerance is another. What you understand, your understanding and knowledge of the investment or the asset class that you're getting into is also another thing because I don't think you should invest in anything that you don't understand. Now, you don't need to be an expert, but you should have a reasonably deep level of understanding in something. You don't just jump into, let's say, crypto or even real estate without having built some level of knowledge. So these are the different factors. um, And there's probably others. I always tell people, look, the very first place you should start if you're not a seasoned investor is make an investment between your ears. In other words, educate yourself, learn. That's my. I have these ten rules of successful real estate investing, and my first rule is the first rule on purpose. It's specifically there, and that is uh, educate yourself. You know, build knowledge because you cannot become a good investor without building a base level of knowledge and understanding. And then, uh, you know, in addition to that, you're going to stack experience on top of that. And build on top of it. But once you get to become a good investor, now you can continue to build through knowledge and experience, become a great investor. And that's when you start to see um, things really take off. You get those exponential returns. So the first investment needs to be in you, yourself, your personal development and your your knowledge. Then you can start venturing out into real estate, which for most people is probably the best investment that they can make because it it's multi-dimensional, provides all these different pillars of income plus tax benefits for a lot of people investing in the stock market is a bit of a speculative you know uh, venture because number one you have zero control over the stocks and the companies that you're investing in so the lack of controls is one of the main reasons i dislike investing in the stock market it doesn't mean i don't own equity and stock in other companies i am an investor in multiple companies but at least I know who they are, or, and I'm a partner in. Even though I may not sit on the board and make you know operational and, and you know uh, strategic decisions, at least I am very close. And I'm a private investor, not in a private company, not a public company. So I like stock, but not necessarily on the stock market, publicly traded. So real estate's my favorite. Honing equities in companies that you have close relationships with is another. Oil and gas is 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 fine. And then you know crypto you know, let's face it, blockchain technology and crypto is the future. Uh, Everything is being, you know, kind of weaved into this whole blockchain and and, uh, crypto... Uh, universe that we're seeing and we're on the very early stages of this like it's going to it's going to change and ch- it's going to change the world over the next 10 20 years in my in my opinion uh, you know we're just seeing so much change across the world with you know uh, you know portable wallets and cryptocurrency being available to literally all 8 billion people on this planet mm-hmm. that's going to have massive implications a massive impact even in my industry in real estate the fact that you can have you know a title Title insurance, uh, the contracts, your purchase contract, and, and anything that's contractual, literally on the blockchain and being automated between you know two parties that are essentially trustless environments, uh, it eliminates and displaces companies like title companies that we have here in the U.S. You know if you can execute a transaction without having a, a third party like a title company to execute that contract, that makes a big difference. So, blockchain technology. I don't want to call it cryptocurrency, but blockchain technology and and crypto in general and and these technologies are going to change industries all over. So I think that's you know a great place to invest, but you need to have some understanding and knowledge about it and and know what you're putting your money into. So back to your question, if you've got some investment capital, you've got some savings, you don't want to sit on it because cash is trash. Inflation is there and it will be there for a long time to come. It'll eat away at the purchasing power of your savings. So you need to put it to work. The question is: Is where are you going to put it? That's where your comfort level and your level of understanding and education come in. So that's a
0: long answer to your short question. But oh, there you go. It was a it was a perfect answer. Um, let me ask you real quick then: If you're if you're considering purchasing an, an investment, let's say it's a fund and it's getting a return uh, of two percent, okay? You've also got to consider that if you return on the work that the cash is doing has to outpace inflation. Otherwise, it's essentially the same thing, right? Or it's at least just staying the same value, but not going up. So, these are things to consider and stuff that I never even thought about until I started talking to people like you and and looking things up. And it brings me to my, my next point because everyone looks at safety of the investment and, okay, it's going to be safe, but is it actually getting a meaningful return and is it meaningfully growing? Because you have to assume some level of risk because there is risk no matter what. People think putting their money in the bank is going to keep it safe. It's not how it works. The bank gives you crappy returns just to make you feel like something's happening. But really, when you include tax uh, on top of that, those gains and the inflation, you're actually still losing money. Uh, And they're going off and having a party with it. When you say invest in yourself, I think a lot of people don't really get that. Like, You can't see things happening in markets and think, oh, I'm going to go and buy this coin or buy this thing. I'm going to make a whole lot of money. Uh, because it doesn't work like that. You can't say, I've got 10 grand. Do I choose to buy a program to learn all about how I can be a you know powerful investor and understand the market and know what I'm doing? Or do I go and put that 10 grand into the market? I think that by far, the smarter choice is investing in yourself because if you don't, you're probably going to lose that 10 grand and or not learn anything and not get the full potential out of it. I did that with property. I went through a property program learned everything I could about it because I saw someone who was doing incredible things. And I said, I basically wanted to throw money at this person and and learn everything. I didn't do anything for a few years. He told me not to buy property, uh, which seemed counterintuitive. But then as I obviously don't understand the market and he did, anything that I would have bought, I was buying on one side of the the pump. And where I was going to end up was the same place, but I would have paid a whole lot of mortgage and interest and all the things in the middle. And it was like, That was not the right time to buy what I was looking at. And it ended up saving me more money than what the investment cost to work with them. Then I had the experience. And so when the timing was right, uh, I now have $3 million properties and things are good. Because I invested in myself first, I understood the situation. The same thing happened with, with crypto. A lot of people are just jumping in and buying random coins. They hear things on the news and so they go and do it. And when it's on the news, it's too late. You know what I mean? What, what's the saying? Like if the if the shoe boy is telling you what stocks to buy, it's time to get out of the market, um, because right. <laughs> because or the taxi driver, drives, yeah, the taxi driver, right? Like yeah, that's the more up to date one, the Uber driver. It's the truth of it that 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 once everybody knows and they're all talking about it. It's kind of past its point where where most of the experts are. And that's where people get burned. They hear about it from their neighbor. Oh, cryptocurrency. Uh, you should check this out. And then they go and get into it and they get burned. And then they, you know, they they get negative about it and think that it's it's not real. But I think that when you educate yourself, you understand that crypto is a is a coin as a currency on blockchain and blockchain's a technology and this and how it works. You start to to get it because people in the know, like, right? Like me talking to you, we talk about it differently. You're talking about technology and how you can use this for various things. It's like the internet. When that came around, people said, ah, oh, the internet's a fad, which is hilarious. They thought Amazon was a fad. Was it Borders Bookshop or whatever was was crapping on Amazon and then they basically don't exist and Amazon's taken over? It's the same thing. Well, story. Jeff
1: Bezos was literally told in the early days to sell his uh, Amazon.com idea, which was predominantly books, uh, to Barnes & Noble. Uh, mm. And, and he, basically, it, Noble. You know, gave, yeah, he basically gave him a finger <laughs> and said, no way. <laughs> Um, you know, he could have sold it and made a nice profit, but that would have been stupid because now he's, the, you know, the richest man on the planet. There's so much to unpack in what you said. I, I don't even know where to start. Uh, for, so, for starters, I, I will say this that, you know, when it comes to, to savings, putting it in the bank is probably you know, one of the riskiest places to, places to park your money. And and that I know for a lot of people, that sounds like that's crazy talk. Well, that's but because it really we've is. been
0: conditioned, right? We've been conditioned. Yeah. Our grandparents, our you know, have been conditioned and our parents and now us that you put it. I saw a billboard. I mentioned this on another episode. It, it irritates me. I saw a billboard and it said uh, for one of the biggest banks in Australasia and and it said, has been helping kids get ahead for over a hundred years. And it's like this kid putting money in his piggy bank. And I'm like, that's not the whole story. Because then there's some other dude on the bottom taking it and going and using it and making money. And this kid's money's not really going anywhere by putting it in the bank. But there's this illusion that the bank is safe. Got to put your money in the bank. Like I got raised like that. You know, you've got to save money, James. I'm like, what am I saving it for? And they're like, well, you might need it. I'm like, well, I kind of need it now. No, but you got to save your money. I'm like, what? And I never got it. And now, but now I understand the psychology of where it comes from. So, to, yeah, I'll let, I'll let you jump back in again, but I thought I'd just add that.
1: Well, there, there was a there was a time in a place where putting your, your savings in a bank made sense because it was a safe place. You know, the, back before um, August 15th, 1971, we were on a gold standard. I mean, it wasn't a mm. pure gold standard, but we were on a monetary system where the U.S. dollar was tethered to gold and all the currencies around the world were tied to the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency. Back then... You had stability in the US dollar. There was stability in currency. It was predictable in terms of what it, what it was doing and its purchasing power, even though it was still being inflated away. I mean, it just went on steroids, it went nuts after 1971 because now all the currencies were just free floating amongst each other. And that's where the Forex market was created. So it was just one currency compared to another. But if you had savings back then, you could put it in a bank. You know, it, it was protected. You had a reasonable amount of protection. Plus, you were able to get. A reasonable rate of return on your savings. You know, it was, you know, maybe upper double digit or maybe sometimes double digit. Uh, I mean, there was a time decades ago when you, you know, you got a free toaster for bringing your cash to the bank and opening up a bank account. They 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 welcome you and give you a free toaster. You know, that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen today. In fact, if you look around the world today, uh, a lot of banks around the world actually charge you to put money in their bank. So if you go to them and say, I'd like to put park my cash in your bank, uh, they're gonna charge you for the privilege of doing that. You know, how crazy is that, right? Those are yeah. called negative interest rates. Well it's actually just a fee, uh, but there's negative interest rates too. <clears throat> so and here's another thing, you know, if you're in a savings account or you got money in a in a just parked in a bank, you might be getting like 0.1%, 0.2% rate of interest. Even if you got a full percent, or even let's call it 2%, you got a 2% rate of interest, which is unheard of today uh, for a savings account, it's not even keeping up with inflation. You know, the, the U.S. federal government talks about the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which fluctuates, you know, between one5 and 2.5%. That's supposedly the rate of inflation. But the reality is, is if you look at the basket of goods that they use to calculate the CPI, which by the way, they change frequently. So they're constantly adjusting it to, you know, make it make it fit their model of what they want to present. Uh it's a complete sham. But you know, they're talking about a two percent average rate of interest. you know, And and that's really the Federal Reserve's mandate is to achieve a two to two and a half percent annual rate of inflation because that's supposedly healthy for the economy. But if you look at real inflation, depending on what you put in those basket of goods, uh, the real rate of inflation is actually more like five, seven or even 10 plus percent. It just depends on what you're putting it in there. If you put food and energy, yeah, it's very inflationary. If you're looking at uh, electronics, well, that's deflationary. If you put education in there, It's through the roof. I mean, education costs have just been, you know, flying sky high. Student loans, you know, everything like that has been, you know, just crazy. So it's actually not productive to put your cash in a bank, uh, uh, for, for two reasons. One, you're not actually getting any kind of return. In fact, if anything, you're losing purchasing power every year because the real rate of inflation is the eating away at the purchasing power of the dollars that you parked in the bank. And And it's not productive. It's not creating cash flow. You're just losing. You're losing purchasing power. That's why cash is trash. The second thing is that you really don't have true protection in a bank. Uh, Yes, we have something in the U.S. called the uh, FDIC Insurance, the Federal Depository Insurance Corporation. But if you actually look what the FDIC has on its books in reserve, it is a small fraction of the total deposits that are out there. So should there be a black swan event or a catastrophic event, which, you know, it's kind of maybe a stretch to think about something like that happening. But what if? What if something did happen? There's not enough money in the FDIC, the insurance government provided insurance to cover all of people's deposits. So if there was a run on the bank or a bank cr- bank crash or another crash like we had in 2008 where you know the the great recession there aren't funds so the funds aren't there to protect your your capital. So the best thing to do is take responsibility, educate yourself like you're talking about uh, and put your capital in hard assets and and investments that have strong growth potential and also can protect your principal and maybe give you some other benefits like uh, inflation protection, which is what real estate does, which historically gold and silver has done, which uh, we know Bitcoin has done for the last 10 years. So that's what you need to do. You need to be responsible, educate yourself and and put your money to work in places and ways that
0: get you further ahead every year, not behind Because I'm going to I'm going to sound super basic when I say say this next thing, but it's just thoughts in my head, and I, and I'd want you to sort of help me validate them a little bit. Basically, what I've come to understand through talking with very smart people like yourself is that ultimately, currency is our ability to uh, to exchange value for things that don't naturally interchange. Instead of trading chickens, we now have a universal way of making a trade, so that I can sell my chicken and purchase a car, right? Versus just trying to trade chickens and then it's very arbitrary. That's where we put our confidence into the currency, essentially becomes the economy. Our belief in the thing having value is why it has value and it's why I can't use monopoly money to go and buy things because no one thinks it's worth anything. But the monopoly money with the US on it is, right? Now, the issue that we have is, of course, there are forces at play that influence the actual value of that over time, like inflation and confidence and changing and things like that. And so what we're looking at is how do we create value and then store that value into assets and investments that are over time producing more value and or holding so that the the value, let's just call it energy, is staying constant and or going up so that we're not losing it. Because if I'm buying things that are over time becoming worthless, then the value I created at the time that was worth something now isn't because it isn't stored anywhere. It's like, it's like storing uh, electrical energy in a battery, essentially thinking about currency and value and investments. That's the way that I'm kind of visualizing it and feeling it out. And so when I'm looking at, okay, if I'm creating a certain amount of value for my clients and getting them results, and they're transferring me a currency back that over time depreciates in value, I need to put that currency into something that appreciates or holds in value. Otherwise, if the, the value that I'm creating at the time and the currency that I'm getting in exchange so that I can go and buy things, I'm losing value from it. So it's about taking it and putting it into something that's gonna hold because the dollar's not gonna. Is that a fair, fair summary?
1: Yes, yes, it, it is. And just to add some, you know, some add to what you're saying and, and add some clarity. The dollar, any kind of dollar, regardless of what country you're in, whatever your currency is. Is just a medium of exchange. It's not a store of value, and so people mm. need to separate that in their mind. If you earn and make money, whether it's from working or an investment, and you are getting dollars, you know, or pesos, or lira, or whatever it may be in return, you've just been paid in something that is essentially a currency. There's no store of value in there. You can take that currency and you can go and buy those chickens. I can get those chickens from you or that car, right? And we've all we've done is we've just exchanged something we agree on that is a medium of exchange so we can transact because you may have four chickens and I have a wheelbarrow you don't want my wheelbarrow, but I want your chickens. Uh, But you know, there's no, there's no exchange there, but, uh, but if we both agree that we could use currency to make that exchange to facilitate that transaction, then we can exchange that currency And I can buy what you have to offer. And then you can take that currency and go and buy something you want from someone else because they have something you want. So it's just a way for us to facilitate transactions. But it is not a store of value. A store of value is something that you can exchange that currency for, like gold, for example, protect the purchasing power of what you've earned to get that currency and carry it forward so a year from now two years from now three years from now you're still going to be able to buy the same amount of goods even though the price may have gone up for that those chickens or the food or the energy or whatever you're buying the price may have gone up but at the same time whatever that store of value was the silver the gold the crypto the whatever has also gone up because it's also denominated in that in that currency. So as the dollar gets devalued, what naturally happens in a free market is the price of the gold, the silver, the crypto, the real estate, goes up to compensate for the devaluation so if you look at everything when prices go up it's not that the price is going up it's the purchasing power of the dollar or the currency is going down mm. and so the prices are go up to compensate for the loss of purchasing power in in the dollar or the currency you're talking about so this is why I'm I, I love silver gold real estate Bitcoin uh, those types of things because they are they are natural hard assets that preserve the purchasing power of the currency. So currency is nothing more than a medium of exchange. We use it because we all agree to use it to, to transact. Um, but that can change. I mean, if, if people lose faith in, in the New Zealand dollar or the US dollar, guess what? They're going to shift and move to something else. When you see hyperinflations in countries like you know Venezuela or whatever, the people who hang on to that local currency, I forgot what what the currency is in, in Venezuela, but they get crushed. I mean, they're, they're they're destroyed. You know, they they are become poor because the purchasing power is inflated, hyperinflated away. But the people who made out like bandits are the people who were smart enough that early on they sold or exchanged their their local currency for the U.S. dollar or gold or silver or something else that was outside the country, outside of their monetary system, so it didn't get devalued or deflated or inflated away like devalued uh and then when they reset their economy and brought in a new currency whatever that may be then they bought back they bought that currency back with whatever they had bought before that protected the purchasing power so they had a hundred thousand dollars they bought a hundred thousand dollars of a certain asset a new currency comes into place you know the dollars reset now they take that and they sell all or all all or part of it back into the new currency and they still have the same purchasing power they had before. And and that was really, you know, a smart way to play that out with any hyperinflation.
0: Incredibly eloquent way of putting my jumbled thoughts together. I love it. That was perfect. It clarified things a lot for me that that I didn't have the words for but I'd been thinking about. And I definitely know that a lot of people a lot of people listen to this are like James, this is basic. Like, why don't you get this? But I also know, especially in my clients, can be a lot of people listening to this going, that makes so much sense. I understand now why when people say that cash is trash or that I shouldn't be saving cash, why that makes sense because we're just talking about purchasing power. And what you said is powerful. Price going up just means purchasing power if the currency has gone down. Things are not more expensive. Your money is just more worthless. Um, and I think that's an amazing realization and, and thing that people don't think about. They complain about things becoming more expensive they became, you know they complain about not making enough money to be able to afford things and ultimately what it comes down to is is value the the purchasing price purchasing power has gone down the value that you're producing with the work that you do is not as valuable as it used to be so therefore you're not going to collect as much currency and then you're going to feel the effects of the fact that the prices also go down. So the the, the value of the currency is also gone down. We see that, for example, in, in supermarkets, right? In New Zealand, especially, you know, you used to have checkout people who would take your object, swipe it, and then press a button and then you'd pay for it. Now you do your own swiping and the computer tells you the price and then you pay for it. And I think Amazon was even dabbling in, uh, I don't know where, right. if it's still there, you just walk into the shop, pick things up and then leave because it identifies you and charges to your account and knows what you picked up. Uh, I saw that somewhere. I don't know whether it, it, it kicked in, but it, it makes sense. Like over time, technologies are going to advance. The guy who plows the fields with, with an ox, there's a tractor who can do it 10 times faster and, and whatnot. So ultimately, we all need to be looking and it comes back to the original point you made, which I think this is a nice way to end off, is that unless you're investing in yourself over time, the value of your currency, which is your ability to produce, uh, is gonna go down because everyone else is getting smarter. Everyone else is getting more efficient. Technology is changing. And if you're not constantly investing in yourself as your primary asset, then you can't play the game today like you used to. And I see that a lot with with my clients. They missed the boat and now I'm bringing them back up to speed because they were stuck in doing things the old way and they didn't invest in themselves. Now they have to, to stay relevant. And that's super important. So where would people go if they wanted to learn this stuff? I know that you've got some programs and things uh, around wealth creation. Where would people go?
1: Yeah, quick comment on what you just said. It's it's actually good to look at educating yourself and that knowledge as a currency because people don't think about the opportunities that they lose by not being educated and knowledgeable. The more you educate yourself, the more you are able to find opportunities, evaluate opportunities, make investments, make investments, and get further ahead financially and otherwise. Uh, so you got to be careful not to underestimate the power and value of education. You know, I ask people this question. I'll, I'll throw it out to you, see what you say. Uh, finish this sentence. Ignorance is... Pain. Yeah. For me, not bad. Okay. A lot pain. of people say bliss, right? Ignorance is I was is immediately bliss. going
0: to do that because that's the classic thing that, that you hear, but I've, I've learned <laughs> otherwise.
1: Well, think about it this way. Ignorance is expensive, Mm. right? It really is. What you don't know is costing you opportunity, money, investment. Uh, In fact, not only are you missing out what you could gain, but you're probably losing out on things that you're not aware of, And uh, like inflation. How many people understand inflation? They don't realize that if they're making money and just parking it somewhere or not buying assets that generate income like income producing real estate that they're actually missing out on opportunities to grow financially and and otherwise so if you don't know that that's ignorance if you don't know that it's it's an opportunity cost you're missing out it's not that you're looking for opportunity you're in a place where you're now a victim to the economic environment and the economic system and the inflationary environment that you live in if you're not aware of that that's ignorance and it's costing you money. That's expensive. So ignorance
0: is expensive. Just to jump in on that, what people then want to do is externalize a reason why as the how it's unfair and they're, you know, it's it's not out there to help me. And it's these people who have got the money and they're changing the system. And I think that whether or not that may or may not be there, I think that the first thing we need to take is responsibility, that if I'm not improving my reality if i'm not self-reflecting if i'm not seeing where there's gaps that's just nature because people are going to get better at stuff and if you don't get better at stuff with it then then your currency is going to devalue and that's why i said ignorance is is pain because i i used to know that ignorance is bliss and think yeah you don't what you don't know you know it' not hurting you until it suddenly does it's kind of like when you've got a paper cut and you don't notice it until you have lemon juice on your hands and you go, shit, my finger hurts. What the hell is that? On, oh, dang, there's a cut there, and now it's getting infected because I wasn't paying attention. And and the pain comes from loss uh, of opportunity, and and you don't notice it until you go, man, I had I had you know a thousand or a, or a million Bitcoin in a thumb drive somewhere, and I don't know where that is, you know. It's, it's that kind of thing. It's, 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 you hear it all the time. It's, oh, I, you know, I should have brought that property in downtown, wherever, but I didn't. And I, I think we see it all the time. And it's, it's a lack of education about how things work means that so many people miss out on so many things. I hear it all the time. People saying to me, you know, I'm going to try and figure this out myself. And then I'll come back to you if I need you. And I'm like, the fact that you're saying that means you need me because you're not going to figure it out. And even if you do, it's going to take you a year longer. And how much is that going to cost you? whereas just invest now right. learn and do it and you'll in a year you'll be in a completely different place you know what i mean um, yeah anyway i digress
1: yeah just just remember you 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 can't change or control the national economy whether it's new zealand or the us or canada or anywhere else you you can't necessarily by yourself impact or affect the the global economy the the national economy even that your local economy but what you can control is your economy you know what you learn and what you decide to do uh, impacts your own personal finances and your own local economy. So, if you focus on your own local economy, your own economy, personal economy, that can change everything for for your life and you and your family. You know that that's really where you got to stay stay focused. Don't don't worry about what's going on in, in the macro environment. I mean, it's important to know, and you should know that stuff, but you can't change it. So, just understand it and know how you need to play your cards to. Uh, generate the greatest returns and make the most money for yourself that's your that's your personal or local economy and then you know just pay attention to the rest of it but know that you can control your own but you can't control
0: the others 100 percent. so where can people go if they want to connect to to you a bit more and, and learn more about this stuff and maybe up their game
1: the best way to reach me, my team, uh, all our free resources, our articles, our podcasts and stuff is on two websites. Our real estate website with tons of knowledge and information and uh, articles and downloads is uh, noradarealestate.com. N-O-R-A-D-A, Norada, realestate.com. And the sister website is the home of my podcast called Passive Real Estate Investing. And the domain
0: name is easy enough, passiverealestateinvesting.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate you as an eye-opening conversation. And and I've got a, a page of notes here that I'm going to start thinking about things differently. I've, I love some of the the simplicity that came out of this conversation and, and ways to, to think about things is, is definitely going to change the way that, that I'm investing, the way that I look at myself. I've already put down here, read more books. Uh, I read enough, <laughs> but it's like, read more. You know what I mean? Constantly work on yourself and, and learn from people who who know their stuff. And that's what you know the show is about. So I appreciate you, Marco. You take care. You too, James. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode, so you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business. We're doing topics on all things that you need to live a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit JamesNielsenWatt.com forward slash live and you can get access to that now. There's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show. All of that will be in the description. So if you're watching this on YouTube, check the description. If you're listening to this episode, check the description. We've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life, whether it's relationships, investing, or in business. I'll see you on the next episode. And as always, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.